Welcome to the Awesomers.com podcast. If you love to learn, and if you're motivated to expand your mind, and heck, if you desire to break through those traditional paradigms and find your own version of success, you are in the right place. Awesomers around the world are on a journey to improve their lives and the lives of those around them. We believe in paying it forward, and we fundamentally try to live up to the great Zig Ziglar quote, where he said, you can have everything in your life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. It doesn't matter where you came from, it only matters where you're going. My name is Steve Simonson, and I hope you will join me on this awesomer journey. If you're launching a new product manufactured in China, you will need professional, high-resolution, Amazon-ready photographs. Because Simo Global has a team of professionals in China, you will oftentimes receive your listings photographs before your product even leaves the country. This streamlined process will save you the time, money, and energy needed to concentrate on marketing and other creative content strategies before your item is in stock and ready for sale. Visit simoglobal.com to learn more, because a picture should be worth 1,000 keywords. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. You're listening to the Awesomers.com podcast episode number 48 in our growing series. Our daily drops are just keep adding up, don't they? Uh, our tradition, as we've established over these last 48 episodes, is all you have to do is go to Awesomers.com slash 48 to see relevant show notes and details and perhaps even a link or two that we throw in. Sometimes we're forgetting the links. If you notice that, by the way, just go to our page and comment. Leave us a uh, the contact form and leave us a comment. Tell us what we did right or tell us what we did wrong. Either way, we welcome your feedback. Now, today my special guest is Jason Berkowitz. And I really enjoyed my conversation with Jason because we got into some of the nitty-gritty and some of the history behind SEO. Now, a little background on Jason, a little context. Uh, since 2009, Jason has been an active leader in the New York City digital marketing community, founding two successful firms, Break the Web and SEO Services New York. Since the inception, Jason has managed marketing campaigns for some of the most significant brands in the world, and he carries a unique philosophy when it comes to campaign success. In his spare time, Jason can be found falling from the sky as an amateur skydiver. This is uh, not a chicken little story. We definitely are not worried about uh, anything falling from the sky. And we talk about in the episode, SEO is alive and well. And I believe that some of the techniques that, that Jason shares and some of the concepts that he shares within this will be very instructive to any digital marketer or e-commerce entrepreneur or really any awesomer who wants to understand the internet in general out there. Hello, Awesomers. It's Steve Simonson. I'm back again. And today we're going to talk a little bit about a classic ancient art of SEO. And I've got Jason Berkowitz on the line with me. Jason, how are you? Doing great, Steve. How about yourself? I'm, I'm good, but uh, myself and my audience would like to know, how, how did I do on your name? Did I get the pronunciation right? Because I, I usually you, don't. You got it right. It's Ooh. usually the telemarketers from third world countries that usually butcher it. Um, for some folks, they like to reference uh, the son of Sam. Oh. Uh, but yeah, you, <laughs> well, yeah, good. I'm yeah, glad. I was wondering how many minutes it would take to get to the son of Sam reference, but uh, here we are. And, Going off uh, topic, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So the, the reality is um, most of those telemarketers for me seem to be uh, calling on behalf of the IRS, and they're doing me the favor of letting me know <laughs> the IRS is about to send the police to my house to get the money from me. I don't know if you've had this. All yeah, I had to crazy. do was, was just simply put some, load up some Apple gift cards for, at the Target mm -hmm. store. I go down to Target, I put an Apple gift card together, and that's how I pay the IRS. And I can do it all online. 
So I don't even have to have the cops come to my house. The IRS also hires like professional voiceovers and people that genuinely sound like like robots of sorts, like very futuristic. <laughs> they, they really got it together. I thought it was the new and cool IRS having the robots uh, call you. Uh, but yeah, the, it's, a, it's a really rampant problem out there. Uh, I don't know about you, but I'm getting hit with telemarketers four or five, six times a day uh, at this stage. Are, are you getting the same kind of thing? Uh, both on a personal and business level. They're calling our business lines. Uh, the emails, those are insane, especially from quote-unquote SEO companies that claim they can rank us on page one of Google. Well, we're already on page one of Google, so that they're obviously not doing <laughs> they their research. research. <laughs> Maybe a little bit, but uh, yeah, those IRS calls. Um, I'm getting a lot to my personal phone about student loans uh, that uh, we can help recover your student loans. Thankfully, uh, took care of mine a long time ago. Uh, on a professional level, we get a lot of IT calls, uh, people that need IT hosting, which uh, we're a remote agency, not relevant at all. So Yeah, it's, it's a really, uh, it's a shame. And I, I, I'm taking us uh, down a little rabbit hole here, but I think many of us can identify with this idea that our phone, in fact, my phone rang not, not 10 minutes ago, and uh, happily, I think it's T-Mobile that I use, and it, on it, it says scam likely. Right. So now I don't even pick up. Right. It's like I, I don't see the yeah. number. It just says scam likely. It's like, all right, I'm skipping that one. Uh, I, I have hope you had that... those calls. Tell I'm me. Sorry. Have, you, have you ever had those calls where they spook, like, get really close to your number by like off by one or two digits? They're, they're smart. I'll give them that because people are going to answer. They're like, wait, what? They uh, are super smart. Yeah. Very yeah. smart indeed. Uh, in fact, I've had a, a, a variation of that where um, somehow they got a copy of a bank wire I had done. And they had made an email address that was very close to my email address, just off by a, a letter or two, sent it to my bank. It's like, hey, quick, I need this wire to go to this bank, you know, instantly, very insistent, very urgent, and, and definitely not my normal voice. And my banker is like, you know, uh, did you send me this email? Because this looks weird. And of course, it was these brilliant scammers. I mean, in many ways, they're quite brilliant, but uh, quite insidious and uh, disgusting as well. Creative, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's for creative, sure. Creative, All right, well, that's uh, that's been our trip down uh, uh, scammer lane, and uh, now we're going <laughs> to turn gears and talk a little bit about uh, you. Now, I've already read in a bio to the audience uh, a little bit about your background and so forth, but maybe in your own words, you could kind of tell us who you are and what you do. So me personally, I am an SEO specialist. That's what my experience is in regards to search engine optimization. But I also operate an inbound marketing agency that focuses on traffic generation for companies of all different sizes. We offer SEO as our primary core service offerings with uh, the various systems and processes that I've really built out for the agency, uh, paid media, Google, Facebook ads, and PR uh, are some of our big, big assets and core services that we offer. Oh, that's a full service for sure. So in the show notes, everybody, we're going to put in these websites, but I want to call out uh, SEOServicesNewYork.org is the SEO company. Is that fair to say? Yeah, <laughs> there's a little bit of a backstory to that domain. Oh. Uh, but uh, we all know it's easy. Uh, some people know, especially if they're learning about SEO, that it's easy to rank on Google when your domain name is the search term you ultimately want to go for. Uh, so back in about 2010, that's exactly what I did and uh, happens to be a huge traffic driver for us. So we've continued to hold on to it. And uh, the problem is it's not very brandable. Can't really make a company called SEO Services in New York kind of sounds stupid when you hear it. Uh, <laughs> so we have our parent company, which is BreakTheWeb, BreakTheWeb.org. Yeah, I love the breaktheweb.org. That uh, conjures up all of those, uh, the viral video, right? Ah, they broke the web, right? Uh, so that's a, a very clever agency name. And I, I think, you know, checking out both of those sites is worth it to the, the awesomers out there just to kind of understand, you know, some of the background and some of the services offered. But 
Yeah, let's talk about SEO a little bit. Uh, and actually, I'm going to tease this. So we're going to cut to a break. But uh, I, I've I've read a bunch of articles uh, over the past five plus years that pronounced SEO dead. And uh, and I, I can't wait to talk to you about that and get your opinion. We're going to do that right after this break. Hey, Amazon Marketplace professionals, this is Parsimony ERP, and we get one question over and over. Can you please tell me exactly what Parsimony does? Well, we'll try, but this is only a 30-second spot, so we're going to have to hurry. Connect to your Seller Central account and pull all the new orders. Enter the orders with all customer data. Enter all of the Amazon fees and charges. Store them at the item level. Generate profit and loss reports at the SKU level. Automatically generate income statements. Handle multiple companies. Handle multiple brands. Handle multiple currencies. Facilitate budgets and forecasts. Store all customer interactions in a sophisticated CRM system. Manage your supply chain. Project and task management. Maintain an audit log. Hey, you get it. That's parsimony, P-A-R-S-I-M-O-N-Y.com, parsimony.com. We've got that. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Hey, we're back again, everybody. Steve Simonson, and I'm joined today again by Jason Berkowitz, and uh, I just dropped a bomb on him. Maybe he didn't know, but all of the, not all of the media, but many media, many bloggers, many uh, talking heads have pronounced the SEOs dead, and maybe I'm the one breaking the bad news to Jason. Uh, What say you, Jason? Yeah, yeah. Um, as you just mentioned, that I actually just sent an email to our head of operations, and unfortunately, um, I said sorry. <laughs> SEO is dead. Bad news. <laughs> you, bud. So tell us how this this um, idea got started that SEO is dead, and then and what you guys think about that today. Well, there's a couple of thoughts uh, behind that whole SEO is dead movement, if you want to even call it that. Um, outside of big major publications, usually people that are claiming SEO is dead are trying to sell another traffic related service where they can bring you traffic, whether it's LinkedIn ads, paid media, real-time bidding, uh, all the different sorts of uh, marketing tactics that are out there. So that's usually one side of the spectrum. They'll say SEO is dead. Um, uh, Maybe another side of the spectrum is that SEO is not like it used to be. Uh, Back in the day, SEO was very easy to do. Click of a button, you rank in two weeks max. And it was just spam, spam, spam. And it's really not the same anymore. And it has changed and made SEO campaigns a lot harder to implement or even execute. And for that reason, people who are not willing to adapt or evolve as the marketing tactic evolves, they say it's dead. You know, it's, it's too much work, too much time, too much resources involved. It's, it's stupid. And then for what? For uh, Google to be uh, just pushing ads as much as possible and be buried all the way down the listings, which, uh, yeah, it's still a little bit of a, a concern with some SEO industries, uh, industries that are related and performing SEO, but um, that's another side of the spectrum. And other one is in regards to the big publications that are posting about SEO is dead are likely publications that are reporting on a, either a new marketing tactic, a new platform that's like a social media platform like Quora, for example, which uh, we, we do advertising on Quora sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's interesting. But uh, they're trying to showcase the next best thing with a good PR type uh, post as well as it might be coincided with a Google algorithm update, which kind of shook up the industry a little bit. Oh, okay, Google wiped out every single uh, website in this specific industry. There you go, SEO is dead. And I can't help with that yet. <laughs> I have a Google Home, it goes off sometimes, sorry about that. <laughs> um, every, time I, every time I use their brand, uh, they say, hey, I'm here. Um, so in regards to uh, SEO publications and SEO is dead, uh, yeah, they're either it usually coincides with an algorithm, and 
that's that. I had a, I had another point of that, but I lost it. Damn you, Google. Yeah, <laughs> curse you, Google. Uh, so the, first of all, to kind of recap that, I, I definitely would reinforce this concept that, first of all, consider the source, right? Uh, there's a bunch of clickbait type of uh, headlines out there. Let, let's consider the source. If it's somebody selling some alternative to SEO, you've got to at least start to ask yourself what's in it for them, right, with, with this pronouncement. There's and always so, a motive. Yeah, there has to be. And the second is this idea of, oh, now it's harder, right? It used to be easier. Now it's harder. So, you know, maybe it would be more fair to say that the brain dead SEO is dead, right? You, you can't spam the 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 page with invisible white text and suddenly rank anymore uh, and that's probably better for the customer experience right the search experience is ultimately what the search engines are responsible for and it's gotten better do, do you agree with that premise that it's gotten better as they've updated these algorithms despite our pain 100 and the point i was going to make before is that a lot of people think that there's a misconception that people think that google hates seo which they absolutely do not. Um, obviously, their goal is to drive people to ads. That's how they generate revenue. But uh, they know that without proper, good, unique, trustworthy search results, people will lose trust in their platform. And they do know that people are skipping the ads primarily and going to the organic search results. So Google likes SEO, but they like good quality SEO. Kind of like what you mentioned is, is all about providing their users with answers to questions that might type in to Google. The most yeah, relevant, so trustworthy. You know, at the end of the day, the formula is very simple for Google or any other search engine, assuming they exist. We'll just pretend that they do. They do in other countries, at least. Uh, you know, when a searcher makes a search query, they want to produce a relevant, actionable, and something that the searcher will say, thank you, search engine, Google or otherwise, you did your job well. It, that's the experience they want to deliver. And I think, in fairness to them, they have improved that experience substantially over the spam days of the past. Do you agree with that premise? I agree 100%. Um, if you've looked back at the search results back in 2010, they were very, very different. Um, the type of websites you'd see are usually one-page websites that just have really long-form pieces of content where every other word is that specific search term. It was just a really bad experience overall. And um, I'm personally a fan of what they're doing because it allows us to uh, hone in our um, evolutionized tactics a little bit and provide what's really going as opposed to weaning out the crappy SEO companies? Well, the, the reality is, and, and you know, I've been, I've been online. My first uh, sites went kind of live in 1996 and, you know, we got pretty good at uh, SEO probably in the early uh, late nineties, early two thousands. But it turns out that really great content worked back then and it works today. Right. And, and do you, do you feel the same way that good content is still has the opportunity to be rewarded? I feel content is half of the SEO campaign, 100%, uh, in regards to on-page SEO, which is 50% on-page SEO and off-page SEO. Um, absolutely. Uh, Google is very good at understanding, uh, they call it NLP, natural language processing, really understanding words and context, uh, surrounding words, just to really understand uh, what the content's about. Um, if, if a company like Grammarly could exist, it's very easy for Google to also uh, add maybe Maybe I wouldn't be surprised if they actually have a partnership with Grammarly or something, but to use those same type of uh, filters within their algorithms to look for bad grammar, see if it's a third, third world country writer or a natural English speaker writing amazing content that's resourceful and maybe even also analyzing the style, the tone. Is it uh, purely educational? Is it uh, laid back, fun and exciting to read? Is it a list post just to get um, clicks, <laughs> you know, all the different things? Uh, they definitely have improved that experience with, with 
quality. And you can even Google natural language processing and they have a specific landing page where you can uh, throw in a paragraph of text and see what they deem as the overall context of that paragraph. They take words, they, every word from that paragraph is sorted into a category of sorts or an entity. It's, it's really neat. It's and, uh, fascinating stuff. Now, of course, uh, me, because I'm old and have been around so long, I'm going to ask Jeeves that, that question about NLP. But uh, for the rest of you, you can Google it. Uh, I would go to dog, dogpile.com. Oh, you remember Dogpile. Kudos. I remember Dogpile. All right. In full space, man. We could go uh, tit for tat on the old, uh, now no longer relevant search engine. <laughs> um, so, you know, the, this, this evolution that has happened over time, has been frustrating for a lot of people, right? There's a lot of people who had kind of the, the easy button on SEO and they got traffic. They, they noticed kind of overnight with some of these algorithmic updates that their traffic disappeared or at least dried up to a, a level that made their business not as viable. What do you tell these types of uh, folks? First thing is don't be impulsive and just chill. Wait. Google has even admitted that immediately after an update, uh, there will be a lot of fluctuations and their own algorithm takes time to just uh, let the dust settle a little bit. Usually the average time frame could be two weeks, which is obviously the longest two weeks of anybody's uh, life, but uh, that's really the best thing. Uh, if you have data, just start trying to create correlations between, uh, let's say you have three websites, maybe in the same industry that dropped while two other websites uh, either remain stagnant or improved, try to find correlated, correlated data and make your own hypothesis, especially as people will start posting within a couple of days as to what really the algorithm was about. Uh, essentially, Google is very unlike, very likely won't admit <laughs> specifically what it was about, uh, but you know, use your own due diligence with that. Uh, let the dust settle, uh, wait to see what happens, and then um, if you can't create your own data correlation, go to the publications, go to the outside sources, and and then use their material to create your own conclusions and see if that worked for you and how to uh, either combat that or um, rethink every decision. <laughs> <laughs> I like that's yeah, uh, that is on the list. If you if you were spamming, if you yeah. were spamming, that is, then you would rethink. Well, the, honestly, this is the thing that, that comes back to. You know, I, I had a, a good friend, and they had built a pretty substantial business. Uh, you know, twenty million plus uh, U.S. dollars turnover per year. But they, you know, they had just a bunch of spammy backlinks on blogs that used to be very valuable. Uh, would you concur with that premise that in the old days you could put backlinks on blogs and just in little oh. comments and, and good, good juice from that, right? Oh, yeah. And you could do it all within a click of a button. So yeah. It's a miracle. Uh, and, but they were outraged when kind of Google eliminated that. And not only did they eliminate it, in some cases they said, you're on the naughty list. We see what you're doing. You're over here in the penalty box. Um, and although you can understand their uh, the frustration and, and the, the pressure to their business, they, they had to look in the mirror and go, hey, we were doing the spammy kind of thing. What do we expect? Uh, do, do you think there's a, a point where people need to kind of look in the mirror and go, hey, well, what am I responsible for here? It was weird because around 2011, 2012, there was a huge shift in the SEO industry. And at the time, it's very hard. Uh, you would think that you would like people to be aware of what they're doing, but when you really don't know any better and that's the standard, it might be hard to say, you know what, you could have, you could have foreseen this coming uh, very easily. Now we can look back and say, yeah, obviously. Uh, but if you don't know any better and that's the standard that's working across the board uh, for Google primarily, you're, it's, it's what works. But uh, nowadays with SEO is I think most people do understand, or at least that's what we do in our agency is really work extra hard to manage expectations is that SEO is always changing. You know, and um, 
we employ the tactics that uh, are well known uh, within our agency, within our own data to work very well right now and also continue to work in the long run because we have an idea on where Google wants to be. And when you uh, go to where they want to be, I think that allows you to foresee the future, so to speak. Yeah, I do think there's probably a couple of cases. You make a fair point, which is, you know, a lot of people, especially if they hired outside agencies that are like, hey, I can get you to rank really well. It's like, okay, cool. Here's a thousand bucks or 10,000 bucks or whatever the case is. Hey, and now I'm ranking well. You know, uh, you know, I see no evil. I hear no evil. And that's fine. And honestly, as you pointed out, it worked at that time. So why wouldn't you do it? Um, and this is, this is one of those challenges is once those behaviors change, by the way, this also applies uh, for those awesomers out there listening to Amazon, you know, Amazon reviews, what worked, you know, from 2010 to 2016 doesn't work anymore. You can't incentivize reviews. And even to this day, it's, it's now August, 2018. Don't know when people are listening to this, but you know, that's when we're speaking. Reviews are still disappearing from that time frame, almost like a retroactively penalty penalty assessment. Uh, do you do you ever get into the Amazon space and see some of these same types of behaviors? Uh, we actually have never uh, done an Amazon campaign. I'm in the know-how because of, I would say, my close network. Uh, but I am very aware that, what was it, even a few months ago, Google cracked down heavily on a uh, Amazon, sorry, habit. Uh, Amazon cracked down really heavily on reviews from people that uh, trying to determine from their algorithms that weren't incentivized uh, versus yeah, there, it's it's been there's been a three three runs so far of 2018. We call them review purges, where it's like, hey, guess what? You know, uh, two million reviews were wiped out this uh, you know two day period, and th there's been now three phases of it. And I I only bring it up because I try to try to help people make connections, right? In my mind, the way Amazon is evolving, both as a search engine with their A9 algorithm and the the things that you can do to uh, move your your product into better ranking are very eerily similar to what used to work on Google, right? You can kind of spam the title a little bit uh, with uh, keywords and put them in a certain position and and get a little bit more ranking as a result of that. You can kind of work the bullet points to your advantage. There's a lot of things that are very similar to the old ways of Google, and I've I've been to the mountain. I've seen the future. I know what's coming. I think Amazon's going to follow a similar path to Google, which is always to reward the customer experience, the search experience, and give them the best, most relevant uh, resources. And for this reason, it's always best to kind of focus on delivering high quality content and relevant content. Is that how you see it? I agree, especially if it's not directly affecting their revenue stream. Again, Amazon does sponsored listings, you know, and that's not directly affecting the sponsored listings per se. So why wouldn't they try to clean up the experience for users, especially if people are still skipping the sponsored listings uh, primarily? Uh, yeah, I don't well, know the numbers with Amazon, but yeah. It's quite similar. Uh, you know, you probably understand the, you know, the, the distribution of clicks on Google. In fact, if you know some of those numbers off the top of your head, I'd love for you to share them, uh, just any fresh numbers. But the organic listings always get more clicks than the, the ads. And then, of course, the top position ad gets the most clicks. I don't remember. At one time, it was like 70% of the the ad clicks were on the top ad. Do you have any uh, memory of those or, or uh, care to share any details you know about that? I don't have any exact numbers because <laughs> I remember when I was researching statistics, every place you go to has different statistics. Yeah, that's a fair point. Rates. I do know that when we do pay-per-click though and Google ads, we don't usually like to bid for the first listing uh, on ads. We like to go for the second one because people will, they, do, they are quite familiar with knowing that the first ad is automatically going to be an ad. The first listing so they might look at the second listing which uh is an ad technically but it's more a bit more eye-catching 
That's fascinating. So I, we, in, in our um, paid search world, um, occasionally, because the top search still gets more clicks uh, as a percentage, uh, and I think that's, that's borne out across a number of uh, different publications, but we will often will we'll position ourselves for the second listing because it's a lot less expensive than the first listing because of the dot, Dutch auction method, right? The, the guy on number one is paying whatever, a penny more than the guy at number two. The guy at number two only pays a penny more than the guy at number three. And that's a, a very lucrative position to have a, a lot of clicks at a much lower price than the number one guy. Uh, so it's a fascinating to hear that your agency also uses that for uh, marketing positioning. Uh, like we go for number one, but um, it's just something that we like to just look at for our own data collection sometimes is uh, we'll test one week maybe at number one, test next week at, at bidding a little bit lower to bring us to number two. So Yeah, and again, this is the best thing about uh, you know the internet is we can collect all that data and you can see the results. You can understand your cost per acquisition difference uh, on a numeric uh, basis. So uh, tell me this, Jason, as, as we've evolved and we've gone through all these various things, is is it a, a reasonable thing to think that you know SEO still can work today? I think we've established that premise. SEO still works today. Yes, one hundred percent. So when when somebody thinks about how do they take their SEO on their own website and make it better, what what's a maybe a first step or a typical problem that, that they would start to address? Well, if you already have a website built out and you're just trying to figure out why it's not ranking. Uh, Best thing to do is reverse engineer. Look at the competitors on page one of Google. See how you can mimic on their website what they're doing. Also, take a look at the Google search results. What is Google ranking? Are they ranking a home page, services page, uh, content page, infographic, lists, um, category page? There's so many different variety of, of type of uh, creatives I would say that can rank on Google. First, look at that. If you're trying to rank your home page and for a search term, and all of page one of Google are is articles. Uh, you probably should switch the targets a little bit to an article uh, to follow within the pack specifically. Uh, so that's the first thing I would do is you create targets based on uh, what Google wants to show. So those. this is a, a very important thing, and I want to reframe this just a little bit or at least make sure I, I state it and then you correct me if I'm wrong. But you know, too often, uh, entrepreneurs especially, if you're not familiar with SEO, you may just go, hey, I want my website to rank for these keywords. You know, these, these are my target keywords without understanding that each page maybe has its own target or set of targets for keywords. And is, is that what you're saying is, is that each page should probably go after a certain target uh, set of keywords or keywords themselves? Uh, that's usually the idea, especially uh, with blogs, for example, when we're doing content marketing creation or blog posts for our clients, we usually like to have a specific target. Like, What is the reason behind this post? Uh, a, how are people going to find this post? And B, what is the goal of this post? Is it a part of a funnel to lead them into the next stage or to a specific call to action? Uh, that's the first thing we look at. And we usually try to tar- uh, create a set of targets. Again, what's the point of all this work if the targets aren't set and uh, you have an idea on where you want people to come from. It could be, again, SEO or ads um, and how you want them to interact on the page. <laughs> what a concept of, uh, hey, let's uh, figure out the desired outcome before we get started on all this work. <laughs> oh, research. <laughs> yeah, I know. What a pain. Um, you know, too often entrepreneurs, we're, we're pressed for time and we're kind of lazy. So we're like, hey, I need an SEO solution. And they they go to their spam inbox or they go to, you know, they search SEO, you know, whatever on uh the interwebs and they they you know hear a couple guys 
and so they don't do a great deal of diligence, uh, due diligence. They they kind of just want to skip to the end and get that box checked off. So what can you what can you tell people about how they can avoid what I think is a common problem of just kind of skipping to the end? How can they do proper diligence to know if an SEO agency is worthwhile? I would say there's a little checklist of sorts. Uh, first thing is to uh, remember that there's a lot of money to be made in SEO sales. So a lot of big repeatable SEO companies hire really good salespeople. So salespeople are good talkers, which is fine uh, by all means. Uh, but it comes down to A, the vibes you get, and if it sounds realistic on the results. Uh, the next one is by far the most important proof. Can they actually deliver and prove that they deliver what they preach? Uh, do they have case studies? Do they show client testimonials? Uh, I wouldn't ask for references. That's a bit old school, and uh, we don't give references because we don't want our clients to be bombarded with uh, people. Uh, so we use testimonials and case studies to kind of, and client logos, uh, and those look kind of neat, to kind of uh, counterbalance that a little bit, look for proof. Um, also look for time frame. Keep in mind that SEO is not an overnight success. If they say, oh, yeah, we can get you ranked in three months for this X amount of price, you know, those are two separate things. Uh, they have set prices and they have unrealistic uh, timelines of execution. Then that, those are two other things that I would be very weary of, weary of especially because it wouldn't make sense to, tie, to uh, charge a personal injury lawyer here in New York City the same as you would uh, an e-commerce company. Just two different playing fields. The competition is very different. And what's involved yeah. in a specific campaign is unique and uh, SEO takes time. Boy, there. So I think that's really sage wisdom to to just kind of reinforce out there. Anybody who shows up and is like, "We'll have you on page one by the end of the week," they're probably not telling the truth. Um, Guaranteed. Yeah, it's just Guaranteed. it's just a nutty. Any unreasonable set of promises in the SEO world is almost without basis. Whereas saying, "Hey, here's a strategic look. Here's what we've done as far as the background of your business. Here's similar case studies, and you know, here's where we're headed. Here's what we think we can do." Uh, all of that is much more reasonable, in my opinion. There, there, there is no silver bullet, is there? No, no silver yeah. bullet, no magic wand, uh, no shiny object in the SEO world. Uh, people like to look for shiny objects, but uh, yeah, it's hard work, dedication, and patience are the biggest things. Boy, those are the things I hate the most. Hard work, dedication, and patience. Woo, boy, we got the trifecta right there. Uh, one of the things that I, I recall... Uh, about the way you guys approach things, uh, at least in your SEO services, is that you don't look for long-term contracts necessarily. Uh, is that fair to say? You know, to me, I'm always nervous when a company's like, hey, just sign this 24-month contract and uh, I'll pave the streets in gold. Uh, you know, that my spidey sense is tingling immediately. How do you guys approach things like that? Uh, we don't do contracts. Um, I'm kind of against it. We do agreements of sorts, but uh, when we have a cancellation policy, but we don't lock people in for six or 12 month contracts. The reason is because um, A, people hate paperwork. B, we have to earn the business. If we're not earning someone's business, then there's something wrong that we're doing. And we shouldn't be all about the numbers and trying to show, okay, this is exactly how much revenue we're gonna get over the course of 12 months. Because um, then you're just leading to a bad experience. Also, you're setting yourself up if the experience is bad for a bad review, a uh, chargeback, whatever, all these different things that could happen. It's, it's really not worth the trouble. And, uh, our goal with our team is to earn the client's business each month. We have to be doing something right to uh, meet the client's both expectations and also over-deliver and deliver the results um, and essentially uh, win their trust each and every month. I love it. I think that uh, that premise, that philosophy of earning the business on an ongoing basis is something that resonates with a lot of entrepreneurs and awesomers in general. 
where we're like, hey, I will, you know, I'll do my part, you do your part, and and we all can win here. So I, I really do salute that. Uh, when we come back, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about your approach to how you execute on these types of things, uh, maybe versus some of the uh, other folks in the, the ecosystem of SEO. Uh, and uh, you won't want to miss it. We'll be right back after this. Catalyst 88 was developed to help entrepreneurs achieve their short and long-term goals in e-commerce markets by utilizing the power of shared entrepreneurial wisdom. Entrepreneurship is nothing if not lessons to be learned. Learn from others. Learn from us. I guarantee that we will learn from you. Visit Catalyst88.com because your success is our success. A giddy up. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Here we are back again, everybody. Steve Simonson joined uh, by Jason Berkowitz, and we're talking about kind of all things uh, internet marketing, digital marketing in general, but particularly about SEO, which is a subject that is near and dear to my heart and something Jason's been doing for an awful long time. Isn't that fair to say, Jason? I've been messing around with Google since 2009. I yeah. first got my start. That's, uh, that's a very, that's, uh, you know, in dog years, that's a substantial number. And that's internet years are even longer than dog years. So that's uh, just amazing. And uh, as speaking as a dinosaur, coming from the dinosaur times, uh, literally in 1996, we had our first website up. And let me just tell you the pains that it was just to get an image to line up above text. HTML was not friendly. It was uh, the, the worst of the worst. And um, and at that time, we weren't even really, I mean, Yahoo was the king of the world, right? Google was invented in 1996 and uh, all these other sites that we've mentioned. Uh, let, I'll ask you a quick trivia question, Jason, before we dig into how you guys uh, do your business a little different than the others. Uh, do you remember the first, um, yeah, oh, you get ready to buzz in. Thank you. Uh, do you remember the first uh, Dutch auction kind of bidding search engine? The name of that search engine. This is a tough one. I don't expect anybody to get it. Alta Vista? Close. Alta Vista is a pretty good guess. Uh, now I'm wondering if I can remember the name. Uh, <laughs> you don't even know the answer. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping you would help me out there. Uh, the uh, nerds. Uh, I, I curse the nerds in the back room here. Uh, there is. There was the very first one, and Google kind of, uh, let's say, borrowed their technology for this Dutch auction. I want to say it was aha.com or something, but um, and now my brain is uh, smushy and, and gushy. But believe it or not, uh, Google did not invent the idea of uh, the Dutch auction biddings. That came from somebody else. And Oh, goto.com. Here we go. It was goto.com, and we used to be able to spend a penny a click, and the sky was the limit for clicks. You know, wow. every term we could put, we could just get it for a penny because nobody else was bidding. That's how early I was uh, in this game. So what, what do you think about the penny per click idea? Pretty good? Sound, sounds pretty awesome. Um, I'm not too familiar with goto.com. Um, the earliest I can remember, uh, my first one was Dogpile. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, Lycos, Dogpile. We could definitely uh, get into a little uh, history lesson. Um, <laughs> the, the, the long and the short is it's evolved, it's changed substantially, and anybody thinks the Internet is a static situation is missing the boat. It is quite dynamic, and it's always evolving. And I'm curious, because of this dynamic situation, Jason, how do you guys approach your, your uh, service offerings? For example, a lot of times I talk to a, a guy, he's really smart, he's like you, hey, I've been around, I know things. And then the second that I get passed to the next guy, it's you know some guy in a basement, who knows where, somewhere in the world, I don't even know if he's a free person, uh, and he's not nearly as good as the guy I was talking to. How, how do you guys approach that? 
in regards to uh, the ever-changing world of SEO? Not just the ever-changing, but how your SEO agency executes as a team. When you bring on a client, how do you guys, you know, uh, you know, do you have guys in the in the basement that are doing all the work, uh, or do you outsource this around the world? What what's your approach to that? So we have a team. Uh, we are a virtual remote agency of sorts. So uh, if somebody wants to be in their basement in their underwear, <laughs> by all means, uh, a lot of our team members like to go to remote co-working spaces or have dedicated home offices entirely to them. Um, and yeah, so when we onboard a client, there's a lot of different things that every team member is doing for the project setup phase, building opportunities, targets, research, uh, learning more about the business and the industry, especially if, for example, we actually have two clients in the cryptocurrency space, which is um, an ongoing trend right now. And there's certain levels I don't dabble in crypto. We actually have one employee that does, uh, but this was something that our team as a whole had to learn in the project setup phase. So uh, one thing I did was just find as many pieces of relevant content that I could find on the web that might be beneficial to our team and just created a resource hub of sorts for everyone to read. And that was a requirement in the onboarding to just familiarize himself with that industry. And then that's uh, the onboarding process. Get everything set up for the actual monthly bread and butter of it all SEO campaign, which uh, is primarily built on, on sending trust authority to uh, your website. So Google's algorithms uh, see some really great metrics and do their magic. Yeah, so this premise, so I love the fact that you guys do some uh, research and kind of, you know, understand what's already working in a space. And uh, let me ask you this, uh, I would assume that you work across a broad range of categories. There's no set uh, field that you specialize in. Is that fair? Yeah, some agencies like to niche down. Uh, we have our specific set of criteria with the client specifically, uh, but there's no specific industry. And especially with new industries, you know, a lot of times we're getting inquiries from industries that we never even knew existed. And then uh, we just go to Google and see that there's a very large market there. Uh, so we don't like to limit ourselves by industries or niches specifically, uh, but there are agencies that do. Yeah, how about e-commerce guys? You know, a lot of the folks listening here, they have their own e-commerce site. And, and by the way, many of them are skeptical that they can make their e-commerce site compete with Amazon. They, they don't think that uh, uh, because most of them, or not most of the listeners, but many of the cases, they got their start on Amazon, their marketplace, uh, what I call Amazon cornerstone businesses. And so they've been marketplace focused for so long that they, they don't really have the faith that they can make a website that is uh, big and, and useful and revenue producing. Uh, what, what's your view on that uh, in this day and age? So the first thing, again, if there is a target or a search term that you ultimately would like to rank for and there is an Amazon listing, uh, it's very likely, unlikely that there'll be more than two listings from Amazon on that page. So there's uh, eight other opportunities there to be on page one of Google. Um, there also might be e-commerce related search terms that Amazon doesn't appear for at all. Um, so uh, definitely look at the opportunities. Don't think of Amazon as, oh crap, Amazon there, it's not even worth it because there's still more opportunities. Um, we still get clicks to sites that are in really heavily competitive spaces that are on the bottom of page one uh, and still get traffic and still complete uh, goal conversions on the website itself. So uh, page one as a primary target for something that's really competitive. And if Amazon has two listings, so to speak, then um, again, reverse engineer everyone else there and it still could be a good ideal target. Now, you alluded to this idea, and I think this is a pretty well-known concept, but I hope you can elaborate just a little bit. This idea of sending authority from somewhere else to, to your target site, and you do that presumably through some form of content that, you're, that you have on the site that is desirable. How do you get the, the upstream authority to, to cooperate with you? So the technical term is called a backlink. 
um, and a lot of e-commerce clients that we have, our biggest way of driving traffic is through content specifically and content marketing, where somebody will enter in maybe at the top of the funnel or maybe they're in the consideration phase and we will guide them through that funnel through pieces of content. And um, essentially, uh, that's the way we would go about it in terms of, of ranking. Yeah. Now, I love having good content, but how do people find the content if somebody's not linking to it? So getting the backlink seems to be a key okay, yeah. piece of the puzzle. Yes. Yeah. yeah so backlinks, uh, there's many ways to acquire backlinks. Uh, what we do is, um, if it's a big repeatable brand, influencer marketing, reach out to influencers in the space. Uh, if there's a product sample that we can send to them, we'll easily send to them. They can do a lovely review because all reviews are great reviews, right? And they will likely link back and mention uh, the product URL. And that is one way of Google sending trust. Another one is to relevant blogs and simply saying, hey, do you guys accept guest contributions? We're writing in this space and we're looking to get the word out. And I think that we can create a, a great informative piece for your website, not promotional, not sponsored, not spammy, but a great piece of uh, content for your website that's relevant. And when Google sees a link going back from the relevant website to your website, that's how they see trust being passed. Kind of, It's kind of like mimicking word of mouth you know, in, in everyday life. You know, if one website's willing to put their reputation on the line and refer you to somebody else, you must be good. Kind of like you say, hey, Jim, you know a plumber? Uh, yeah, I use ABC Plumbing. You know, that means that, okay, there's already some authority behind ABC Plumbing because your friend that you trust recommended them. Yeah, I definitely think it's evolved to uh, this higher level that you just described. You know, in the old days, I would say it was more like high school, where if anybody was gossiping about anything, you could get link juice from those backlinks. But today, I think relevance is so much more important, uh, where Google it may even, I don't know, there may even be some working against you when it's not relevant, right? This idea that you can go get backlinks anywhere and have them feed into you. Do you agree or disagree with this premise that more relevant backlinks are better? Definitely more relevant is better. Um, Google says that they won't harm you for spammy, bad, non-relevant backlinks. Um, that's what they say. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. who really knows uh, what happens? But relevancy really is king. Where uh, you can have technically a website that's decent authority, but more on a general topic. Let's say a, a news website, link to your website. That'll provide some power. But if there's maybe a website that's maybe a lower tier, but really more relevant about a specific topic, uh, site-wide and that links back to you, you'll actually get a lot more SEO value from a, a lower tier relevant website. Yeah, see, I, I definitely agree with that. Uh, I'm, I'm skeptical also, uh, whether it's Google or Amazon or anybody else, I'm always like, there, there's some penalty box waiting for me somewhere. So I, I like to stay right on the straight and narrow. Um, let me ask you this, when, when people are considering SEO, they start immediately seizing up and squinching up a little bit about the cost. And uh, can you elaborate, you know, how you guys approach the different service levels or different offerings? How, how do people kind of wrap their brain around the, the cost of SEO? Well, one thing to note is SEO is not cheap anymore. Uh, back in the day, it was very easy to offer SEO for $400 a month because how much work was involved? It was maybe an hour or two of work. That's it. And then you click a button and then it's monthly ongoing. Everything changes back to back. So that's not the same anymore. SEO has definitely increased. Uh, we actually just raised our minimum internally um, for new clients. That starts at about $2,000 per month. And that's just because of the amount of work uh, costs on our end uh, that we essentially do. And we're doing it. We're kind of like the PR team for our client. We're reaching out uh, consistently, doing a lot of manual outreach to uh, relevant websites, influencers, bloggers, 
podcast is, is something we do where we have to podcasts um, in hopes of getting a backlink. And uh, there's are, there are very different ways you can get creative. Even with podcasts, the simplest form is we'll sometimes offer relevant podcasts, uh, free transcription service for their, for their blog. And then um, as long as we can get a, a sponsored link or a post from it, you know, there's just so many different create, creative ideas you can get in terms of getting backlinks. That's smart. Yeah, I definitely think that's really good. And, you know, for depending on the size of the business that, you know, that starting package or that minimum is is quite viable because there's actual work that's involved. Right. And it's ongoing and it's repetitive. And there's probably some set of, you know, uh, deliverables that you guys offer for whatever you're, you're pricing. Uh, presumably you have some service level agreement or some, hey, we're going to do this many things per month. Is that fair to say? Yeah, one thing we recently went towards and we transitioned towards a, a link deliverable basis. So if the clients, what they need to succeed is links, we'll allocate a range of links that they will receive per month. And what we do is uh, we're a full transparency agency of sorts as well. So we give them access to our internal project management system so they can just, they won't have to wonder, hey, what's my SEO company doing today? Maybe I'll email them or call them. They can just go in and see what we're up to. They can see the statuses of the of the links. It, it, it also helps them not have to call us quite frequently. Sure. Um, that's the biggest thing is people are get left in the dark with their SEO company. They won't hear from them from a month until they get a report and it's rebuild time. Um, so they can see the statuses of our outreach. We exactly what we use internally. So we reached out to this publication. Uh, we're in negotiations for placement. And another tab is for the deliverables. Here's the link that we secured. Here's the uh, content piece. Here's the anchor text specifically. So that's one thing that we do for deliverables, as well as especially for e-commerce clients, we do consistent gap analysis, uh, content gap analysis, so to speak, is we're constantly finding ways that they could improve current content to uh, increase them naturally on Google, kind of low-hanging fruit, so to speak. Yeah, I like that. I, I definitely, I think people often underestimate the um, the effort involved, but some of it is is kind of making sure you have the basics covered, right? The, the, this idea that you have, you know, a particular piece of content, maybe it's already getting some reasonable traffic, but if, if it was supplemented or augmented in some way, it could even be doing better. And maybe it's in part because of the age of that page or because of the other backlinks of that page, but it has a potential to, to even go higher. Is that uh, your, your experience as well? Absolutely. There's a thing, uh, uh, query deserves freshness. A lot of times you can make search term, you can type something to Google and they'll have a date right there in the, each search listing. And it may very well be, especially with uh, maybe in politics, for example, uh, where everything's always changing and new update, new news is coming out, where you'll see that date to be within the last week or even the last month. And if you have an article that's maybe ranking on page two or three, that used to rank very well, so to speak. And it hasn't been updated in maybe a few years, giving it a obviously a new refresh date, a new publication date, as well as uh, some modifications to the content, how you can improve the content, whether it's uh, 2018 updates, for example, definitely, definitely an opportunity right there. Yeah. So this is, you know, uh, again, we're busy. We're, we're like trying to check things off the list. This is an evolution. It's an ongoing living, breathing, you know, website and, and, individual pages within the website, they can't just be static and, and perform forever. And so as people start to see either traffic declining or they're kind of wondering what's happening, it's probably related to the, the freshness factor that uh, you know Jason just alluded to. It's, it's probably also related to some of the gaps that you talked about earlier. You know, maybe there's been some segment that your, your com competition's getting traffic on that you're not because you don't have any content related to this new idea. How often do you 
do you think that um, how often do you come into a project where you're like, hey, these guys have all their ducks in a row? Is that a common thing? <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, right? A lot of queries we get is um, we do a lot of audits and consulting um, for in-house SEO teams where they've just tried to hit every single piece and everything looks perfect across the board and they can't just figure out why something isn't ranking. So that's what we'll come in as like an advisory role or a consulting role uh, specifically. And there, it does happen, especially for conglomerate type companies. Uh, a lot of big e-commerce type websites uh, will reach out uh, to us just for saying, hey, can you just run a data analysis and an audit just to see, because uh, we've tried this, this, and this, it's not working very well. Uh, but everything, you know, what we know about SEO is up to par. And for the most part, they, they're nine out of 10. It's usually just finding some small little thing that's weird, whether it's uh, deep in the coding, like a rel canonical that's off. You know, which is a bit more advanced type coding. It could be something so small as that, which is so easy to overlook. And uh, it does take time to find these audits as well. But there are companies out there that are, part of my French, kicking ass with SEO. Amazon being one of them, you know, especially with their e-commerce style uh, SEO. So there's a lot of deep things that they're doing, which every e-commerce website should be implementing. Yeah, for sure. Um, you uh, you did uh, scratch an old wound of mine there, uh, where we brought in a really high end SEO company. They were doing an overhaul to one of our old e commerce sites. This is a site that was already doing uh, five or six million dollars a month, and when they when they did the site relaunch, right, and they're going to tune it up even better. This was um, this was a big deal and a big project, obviously, and. The, the marketing people immediately started coming to me. Uh, I was the CEO at the time. And like, something's wrong. Something ain't, ain't right. And, you know, you said early on, is, you know, let's be patient. Let's take a, take a breather. Let's, you know, know that there's going to be some, some uh, problems and so forth. And, and so that's what I tried to, to take that approach. Uh, after, I don't remember if it was two weeks or four weeks, but we figured out that they, when they launched the new the uh, new site, the robots.txt had a no follow. <laughs> they, they literally kicked yeah. all the search engine bots out of the site for a month, which was a bloody nightmare. We lost uh, countless millions and uh, it was a giant uh, problem. So believe it or not, the little smallest things, whether it's the canonical tags or, or uh, no follows or any of that, they can have a big impact. And, and that's why you want to have somebody who's really uh, capable and talented. Have you ever had that problem, by the way, Jason? Yeah. Uh, we, I, uh, I'll be innate if I don't admit that we've made similar mistakes completely by accident, but we usually like to, uh, we have a checklist and everything that we follow nowadays. Uh, that was more earlier on where it is a simple things like, uh, like robots.txt or a sitemap issue and even deeper HT access, uh, issue. It's, is don't, don't neglect the little things, you know, again, an accidental no index tag on a work on a WordPress website, just, but you accidentally clicked a, a box. You know, it's definitely possible and it happens. Now that you uh, brought up WordPress, it, there's there's a general feeling. Um, I won't call it consensus, but certainly, uh, you know, the, the word on the street is that WordPress sites can rank better than than other sites in general. Uh, what, what's your feelings about uh, that general concept? Is WordPress somehow uh, positioned uh, to an unfair advantage opposed to a regular site? Well, at the end of the day, most of these uh, content management systems, what they're doing is displaying HTML code in the source. Now, WordPress happens to be a very user-friendly way to display that HTML code, as well as giving you full control over every single element. Uh, 
there are other platforms out there, um, I don't know if I should name drop, uh, that don't give you uh, Squarespace, Wix, um, both are the absolute uh, no-goes with us. We won't take any client that's on Squarespace or Wix just because they don't give you that full control. I know that Squarespace specifically, and uh, we've talked countless times over the years with their support team, is uh, their coding for SEO specifically, where their own internal SEO settings isn't up to par. We call this a schema markup. They have errors in their standard schema markup, which I'm like, listen, I'm telling you guys exactly how to fix it for free. Just that's all we care about is to fix it. And, and they're like, oh, no, we're, it's not worth it, which is simply just adding a, a semicolon yeah. <laughs> just to the, to the basic coding. But um, at the end of the day, most platforms that do give you full control, uh, like WordPress, uh, they're all, and especially also with like, no one wants to do static HTML because it's really hard to, to manage, but they're all essentially in the source code displaying HTML code. And it's a more user-friendly way for anybody from intro newbie to more advanced people to display that code. Yeah, it definitely, uh, it, it's uh, quite an adopted platform because it is so user-friendly. And I think it is generally well-received in the SEO world. And there's a bunch of plugins you can do to even make it more SEO-friendly. Uh, it's certainly something that, for, that people should consider. And I, I do appreciate the fact that you you know, are able to share with us some of the things that aren't working well. And this is this is a not uncommon situation where, you know, the, the big companies, for whatever reason, have chosen to not make that a priority, where we know that just these little tiny tweaks can mean an awful lot of difference when it comes to revenue production. And at the end of the day, the sites should produce revenue. And there are companies that do take the feedback from specific communities that use our platforms like Shopify, for example. We love Shopify because they listen to the SEO community and they have many, many times over the years. Whereas we said, okay, what you have as a set standard in your platform or in your templates isn't what's working. And uh, it may take a little back and forth, but they will uh, typically at most times try to uh, adapt to the consensus of what the consensus is asking. And again, there are times where WordPress might, might not be the right solution, stuff that are really more complex. You know, you can get really uh, custom with WordPress, but the problem with getting really, really custom with WordPress is that it, it creates a lot of bloat and may affect your resource loading times and everything with that. So there might be other solutions and there's thousands upon thousands of high advanced platforms out there, but a good web design company uh, or UI UX company, user experience, user interaction, I can definitely get you on the best platform. Yeah, that's a uh, uh, good advice there. Uh, what's your view of HTTPS as a uh, as a little extra bonus uh, factor for ranking? Do, do you think this uh, Google has said as much that it's a, a little extra ranking factor? Do you agree with them? Um, small, small. It definitely helps. What I see it, uh, we would like to get everyone at HTTPS uh, even beyond SEO, but more so for user experience, especially because. Uh, I think the new statistics are that 80% of people are using Google Chrome, which is insane. And 80%, now Google, wow. Maybe a little bit less, <laughs> maybe a little bit less. I know Firefox has 6% and that's what made me laugh. Um, <laughs> but Chrome is now showing warnings, let's say not secure in the URL bar, which um, I understand why they want everyone to go HTTPS. You know, we're all about security nowadays and it's very easy to, uh, like we had in the earlier conversation when we first started off this call, it's very easy for people to scam and, and collect data with specific JavaScript codes that can kind of show one form but really send the information somewhere else. And that's where HTTPS comes in as a trusted phone. When I'm on a website, um, especially e-commerce, uh, nine times out of 10, they'll have HTTPS. If they don't, um, I'm not even going to look at the website. It's, just an, it's an immediate no-go for me because uh, I know that a, they're, they're, they don't have their, their crap together. Um, 
but yeah, it does definitely also help with uh, rankings. Um, not as the biggest ranking signal, it's definitely up there. Uh, but especially in regards to reverse engineering your competitors, if everyone on page one of Google has HTTPS, for an extra $2 a month, you can get HTTPS or even you can even get it for free. If you're using cPanel, for example, uh, within your hosting, uh, Let's Encrypt is a free um, SSL certificate to get HTTPS and it takes a minute to set up. Yeah, it's so much easier to get a, a certificate these days. I remember the old days where we literally would spend thousand or two thousand or more dollars on these secure certificates, and uh, and today you know you can just uh, have this kind of automated way of rolling them out and and making it secure yet not break the bank. So it's definitely a, a better world we live in. So let me ask you this: I want to have you just take out your crystal ball for a minute and tell us about the future of SEO. What's it going to look like in five years? Well, the trend right now is to consistently talk about uh, voice search. That's where everyone is leaning towards. At the moment, nobody really knows what's going to happen. Uh, we have ideas on what Google wants. You know, obviously, Google's goal is to provide the most relevant search result, uh, even with voice search. So, being positioned high in natural organic search results will definitely assist in that process. If you're a local business, being uh, the number one in Google Maps will definitely be a huge asset. Find me a plumber in New York City. It's very likely they'll pull from, uh, we hope, not their ads, uh, but from the natural organic listings. And uh, it's something that I think everyone's uh, curious to see as to how voice search becomes uh, more advanced and how it intertwines with our systems. Boy, I definitely think that's a really good thing to keep our eye on. The, the amount of queries just as it relates to these new voice devices, whether it's the series of the world or the Alexas or the Google that turned on earlier, all of these things are driving new search terms, right? What we type in and what we say are vastly different in my opinion. And it's been proven as much in the studies that compare the, the voice inquiries versus the, the typed in inquiries. Do you feel the same way that there's quite a difference between those? Absolutely. And it ties into what I mentioned earlier about NLP, natural language processing specifically, where Google's goal is to understand, uh, in the regard I mentioned previously, its goal is to understand the intent of the content. In regards to search queries, its goal is to understand the intent of the search term. You know, um, there's this really great article, uh, I don't mean to go side off, but a really good article about something called TFIDF, Term Frequency Inverse Document Frequency by a company called Elephant. <laughs> Hang on. So I love this. Uh, I love the acronym, but you're going to have to tell it to me a little slower because yeah. uh, I missed it. Go ahead one more time. I don't want to go too much off topic. That's I like I'm it. No, this is quite on. I, I dig an acronym. So it's a new way of, of performing and executing on-page SEO. And it's called Term Frequency Inverse Document Frequency. TFIDF. Google has uh, that built into their algorithms for quite some time. It's widely known, uh, but they didn't create it. It's a way of pretty much, we call it the corpus of taking a document and uh, sending it against other large collections of documents called a corpus. And they look for correlations. And with on-page SEO specifically, um, NLP comes in uh, to understand context. And one example that um, this article, which I always reference back to with any client or consulting call, is that how would they know the difference between Coke, 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 uh, Coca-Cola, C-O-K-E, or Coke, cocaine, uh, Coke, which is a county in Texas, and Coke, which even he references in the article, is a uh, something that builds up around an engine, maybe, <laughs> some like weird mildew, uh, I don't know. But it's a great example of how uh, words can have multiple meanings, and that's where they need to come in and identify the intent behind that specific search query. 
Oh, I definitely love a deep reach there. Uh, and <laughs> I apologize. No, not even. Believe me, I, I'm, I'm quite sincere about it. Uh, the, the fact is intent really is the point of search, right? The, the, and, and the search engines have gotten so good at figuring out and even predicting what you're likely to do, which is individually managed, right? Uh, for me, it's going to go right to cocaine, but somebody else, it might go to Coca-Cola. That's their favorite thing. I'm not uh, confessing or anything, but I'm just saying uh, the 80s were quite a time. No. I'm not that uh, the point is, not only are they taking the natural language piece, but they're individualizing it and saying, based on your past searches, Steve, here's what we think you're going to do you know, based on that predictive uh, feature. Do you agree with that premise that they're, yeah. they're individualizing it? 100%. And one problem uh, I see too often is people aren't revolving SEO campaigns around that intent. So they'll, they'll essentially, and even for uh, beyond SEO, even once somebody gets to your page, whether it's through uh, paid media, essentially is they, they forget the original intent. And they just say, okay, we have a page, it's getting traffic, why are we not getting sales, leads, or whatever the call to action is? And it's probably because the content doesn't match the original intent. Uh, kind of like when you mentioned that um, you're involved with uh, a paid media and paid ads and stuff, is that you'll usually try to have a landing page that matches the original uh, advertising query just to keep the flow going. And uh, there's a lot of companies that just say, oh, okay, we have a basic services page. Um, it says what we do, but it's not set up for conversions. And conversion rate optimization is another uh, whole form of, of a marketing campaign. Yeah, it is. Uh, this is just a scratching of the surface. Uh, I love it, Jason. I think your, your uh, insights in SEO and kind of digital marketing in general have been very, very well uh, articulated and much appreciated by me. Uh, I'd love to thank you for coming on today. And I'm going to ask you one final question, if I may. Uh, do you have any words of wisdom out there for, for the awesomers listening? Maybe they're, um, you know, maybe they're thinking, maybe I should consider SEO. Any words of wisdom that you care to share or impart with them today? Trust your gut. If you go to hire an SEO company and they don't, they may make you feel good with salesy type language, but if they don't make you feel good with proof, results, and you don't get the perfect 100% awesome vibes, then um, take a second look. Because SEO is not a 100% guarantee. And you wanna make sure when you reach out to an SEO company is that uh, since, A, make sure they don't guarantee results, that's a definite, but make sure that uh, they have a proven system, framework, processes for executing a successful campaign and that they can adapt that system to your campaign. I definitely think that is uh, an ongoing and uh, high frequency repeated thing, which is follow your gut feel, right? Uh, entrepreneurs in general, awesomers always have a very good uh, spidey sense, uh, that instinct of that something doesn't feel right here. And when it doesn't feel right, uh, so many times I would kick myself when I went against my guts and it's like, no, I'm here to learn. I'm going to you know, set my own uh, biases aside. Uh, and, and there's a time and a place for everything. But really, at the end of the day, until your gut has settled down, you better uh, be very careful about your next move. So thank you again, Jason. Uh, I loved having you on, and we'll probably have to do it again because there's so much more to talk about. Uh, appreciate I appreciate you being on. No, no, no. Osmers, uh, uh, listen out there. I know your brain's full, but we're going to be right back after this. Empower. The name says it all. Connecting e-commerce entrepreneurs with great people, ideas, systems, and the services needed to stay business dynamic and to grow. Empowery is a network, a cooperative venture of tools and resources to make you better at what you do, because we love what you do. We are you. Visit Empowery.com to learn more. 
You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Wow, what a what a fun time with Jason. You know, it's it's fun to look back over time and you know, for all those that, that really are participating and understanding that, you know, patterns repeat themselves. When you look back at history, you can figure out what some of the big companies have done, what some of the the moves that they've made, and you can see if these things will apply in the future or you know, in, in what way they may apply. To me, pattern recognition is really, really important as a an entrepreneur or an awesomer in general, because patterns tend to repeat themselves. So when we talk about uh, the concepts of SEO or even search marketing in general, just SEM, pay-per-click, what have you, all of these patterns, all of these behaviors that these big companies are doing have a tendency to, you know, kind of tighten up over time. They, they get better and better. And so we're left with this concept of, hey, here's an idea. What if we make really awesome content that people want to share? Would that get links? Would, would that be rewarded? And I'll tell you, the answer is a resounding yes, in my opinion. I started sharing content back in 1996 on the internet. Yes, that's right. 1996, hashtag, I'm old. And this reality is, over that length of time, I've watched these patterns continue to repeat themselves over and over with, you know, kind of uh, manipulation of SEO guys or search guys pushing us this way and then Google pushing back the other way. And and again, I just want to go back to this, this core concept that if we make something of high quality, something truly and literally noteworthy, that's going to be rewarded most often in the community, you know, as long as you get it in front of the right people. So that is the lesson, is do something worthwhile, do something noteworthy, and you'll find that, you know, SEO and ranking and all these other things come a lot easier than trying to hack your way and cheat your way to the front. At the end of the day, these patterns of kind of uh, SEO hacking, or any kind of hacking for that matter, and then the big companies or any companies ratcheting down and enforcing policies or putting new algorithms in place, I don't think that's going to change. I think it's going to continue to repeat itself. And I'm really thankful that Jason came on and, and talked a little bit about this from the big picture perspective and quite uh, impactful perspective that he has being in the trenches day to day in this space. So it's been another great episode. As always, episode number 48. Uh, at awesomers.com slash 48, you can go there, find show notes, details, even a transcript. And it's really a, a wonderful time for you to go sign up for our mailing list as well and get some free bonuses and, and lots of cool stuff. Well, we've done it again, everybody. We have another episode of the Awesomers podcast ready for the world. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that you've enjoyed our program today. Now's a good time to take a moment to subscribe, like, and share this podcast. Heck, you could even leave a, a review if you wanted. Awesomers around you will appreciate your help. It's only with your participation and sharing that we'll be able to achieve our goals. Our success is literally in your hands. Thank you again for joining us. We are at your service. Find out more about me, Steve Simonson, our guest, team, and all the other Awesomers involved at Awesomers.com. Thank you again. Awesomers.com.